0: Season is finally here. Welcome into fantasy football today, DFS on Tuesday, September 7th. Frank Stanfield, joined as always by CN Ajad and Mike McClure, here to deep dive the NFC home games on the main slate, plus a bonus with the Vikings at the Bengals. We'll also share our thoughts on Thursday night showdown between the Cowboys and the Bucks. Usually on these Tuesday podcasts, we'll be recapping the week before, telling you what we did right, what we did wrong, trying to learn from those mistakes or things that we did right, I guess. Uh, But there's not really much to recap right now. So we're just going to dive right into the games and we'll do NFC home games, as I mentioned today. And then on Thursday, we'll do AFC home games and take a closer look at Sunday night football and Monday night football for the showdown slates there. See ya. Week one is often described as very unique. What makes it so unique?
1: There are so many reasons. One is, and this is something Mike addressed a couple weeks ago, and I guess we all did, there's so many new people coming into DraftKings and FanDuel and DFS year over year, because obviously those outfits are marketing themselves. And, And for the record, it's super fun. So people just kind of come on board, maybe they play just the first 48 weeks of the season. Maybe they get tired of it. Maybe they're brand new and, and they're coming in and you just have this influx of people playing the game. So that makes it different. But just from a strategic standpoint, or I should say from a pricing standpoint, there's so many pricing inefficiencies week one. And by the way, in the betting side of things, there's inefficiencies there too, because Vegas usually is right. And Vegas usually has all of the information. Well, when you're going into week one, even Vegas is operating a little blind, at least relative to, you know, weeks two, three, and so on. So I think it's a really good time to take advantage of the information that we have and just sort of some of the things that maybe recency bias that maybe people have have seen, or they're just kind of hanging their hat on over the last few weeks, where, you know, we can kind of diagnose things from a different perspective and say, well, those things aren't really uh, what we're going to see week one. And let's take advantage of that recency bias that other people are going to play and play really the guys that we think are really the true studs or, or the people that are mispriced and so on.
0: Mike McClure is here as well. And a couple of weeks back, it might've even been last week, you mentioned that you're going to play more cash games early on in the season. For those that are just joining us, Welcome. Uh, If you're coming over from like the fantasy football today side or anywhere else, we're happy to have you. But remind everyone why you might play more cash games early in the season and then taper off as it goes as it goes on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think Sia kind of started to mention it there. It's really because there's a lot of new people that are going to be playing. The sites are advertising. You look at the prize pools. They're as big as they're going to be all season, maybe outside of the showdown slate for the Super Bowl. But on a weekly basis, this is as big as it gets. This is the most new players that we're going to have out there. They've spent months advertising on TV and radio everywhere across the country there are the most number of eyeballs on this, the most experienced players. Again, the contests are the biggest. Um, So that's why you're going to play that until those funds kind of start to run out and that'll trickle off about the fourth to fifth, sixth week of the season a little bit. And then you'll see another big drop-off around week seven or eight. Uh, But yeah, you want to get in there and play them as early as you possibly can. There's obvious mispriced players that some new players may not know about yet. Uh, It's the best time of the year to play cash games for sure.
0: Yeah, and if you're new to NFL DFS, you can go back and listen to all of our strategy discussions that we did on demand. You can watch those on demand as well. We talked about cash games, GPPs, the difference between both, a bunch of DFS terminology. Uh, so again, if you're new and you want to learn how to play, you can go back and listen to that on demand. Let's jump right into the games, and we'll start off with the Eagles at the Falcons. The Eagles are currently, I don't think this is correct. Do I you have a blunder? First game ever here on Fantasy Football Today DFS, and yes, I do. Uh, I wrote that the the Eagles are favored. They are not. The Falcons are favored by three points in this game with a 48 total. Again, the game is in Atlanta, and injuries that we're monitoring. Again, we're doing this on Tuesday, so we're kind of flying blind a little bit here with practice reports, so if anything changes throughout the course of the week, we'll tell you, like, yeah, there's a chance this can change, but keep in mind, the Eagles have a bunch of stuff going on with their front seven right now monitor injuries to Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and Jannard Avery, and uh, let's just start off up at the top, because I talked about Jalen Hurts in the preseason, and someone that I really like this upcoming year, and it's because he's going to run. He's going to run quite a bit, and I think that this is a pretty good matchup here against the Atlanta Falcons. He's 6,400 on DraftKings, and he is the eighth highest-priced quarterback. Sia, what do you think about Jalen Hurts in this spot? Any cash game consideration to him, and... Don't get weird, but what would a naked Jalen Hurts look like in DFS? Not in real life, because we can play him (laughs) without weapons because he's a Russian quarterback.
1: You can, and, and that's something I, I might advise. That's something I did successfully, sort of early in the season, particularly with Josh Allen last year. Um, I would advise that maybe in in some smaller tournaments, uh, if you're going to do that. I, I think in like the bigger, like Millie maker style tournaments, you're you're probably going to need to do the, the you know the the stacks and bringing it back and correlating your lineup. But you could do that absolutely, especially with the Eagles. You, you don't really know where the targets are going. I think Devonte Smith, the prevailing wisdom w- would say that. But you got Zach Ertz and Dallas. Goddard, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, as we know, kind of shined over the preseason. So I, I like Jalen Hurts. I honestly think I'll play him only in cash. I don't think I'm going to play him in GPP, especially if we learn that his ownership is going to be relatively high, which I think it probably will be because people are going to want to take an in ex- a relatively inexpensive um, running quarterback because that's usually what people are looking for. And against Atlanta's defense, um, it certainly makes sense. Yeah,
0: Jalen Hurts Last four games last year, 69 rushing yards or a rushing touchdown in each of those games mentioned. 6400 on DraftKings, the eighth highest priced quarterback. On FanDuel, he's 7600 He's tied for the seventh highest priced quarterback. Mike, what do you think about Jalen Hurts in this spot? Any consideration for him in cash games? And do you think that this will be a popular game to stack here? It is inside of a dome, obviously, in Atlanta. Uh, and if you are trying to stack this game, what might some of those variations look like for you? So I
2: don't think it'll be a particularly popular stack here in week one. I think that you're right. I think Hertz will take some ownership and the other obvious player on the other side is going to be Kyle Pitts. I think that's, you know, if this game gets stacked a lot, it's going to be because of Pitts on the other side. I'd be able to bring it back. It's an obvious bring back that makes a lot of sense. I will mention that I probably, at this moment, I'm not planning to have much Jalen Hurts at all. If I do, it'd be because I'm playing 100 lineups and looking for exposure to a lot of players. But as of right now, I think he's someone that's going to get left off because for me, the Atlanta Falcons defense actually pops as one I would be playing on DraftKings uh, just because of the salary and where it is there, the elevated ownership level on someone like Hertz, I can gain a lot of leverage on the field that way if I'm correct with it. Uh, so that's something that's standing out so far early, early, early here still for me. But I do not think that I'm going to have a lot of Jalen Hurts at this point.
1: And let me, Frank, let me add to that. Um, you know, Atlanta's defense definitely has some holes in it, but to Mike's point, they were actually pretty good against the run last year. So that's, that's something to consider. This isn't necessarily like a layup team that Jalen and Miles Sanders are going to be able to run all over.
0: Yeah, and the Falcons are min-price on DraftKings in Week 1. They are $2,000, and we mentioned on a lot of those strategy podcasts that we did that more often than not, we're going to look to uh, pay down at defense, and uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts could definitely be prone to turnovers here early on in the season. Are you guys looking at any of the pass catchers? I know we talked a lot about Jalen Hurts. Calvin Ridley, 7,900 on DraftKings. He's the third highest wide receiver. Great matchup here against the Eagles secondary, which... Darius Slay was, I mean, he's really just a shell of his former self. He's not the, the player that he used to be. Uh, but Ridley is here. Russell Gage steps up. You mentioned Kyle Pitts, Mike. I know that he's going to be very popular. On the other side, for the Eagles, Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner. All the rookies in Week 1 are... Very low price, he's only 4,500. Then there's Jalen Rager at 37, Quez Watkins, potentially a dart throw. He's the minimum price at 3K. Uh, And then you have the tight ends on Philly's side, 4,800, and Zach Ertz. See anything here on the pass catchers in this game?
1: Yeah, you said it. I mean, Calvin Ridley, look at everything from last year from his target share to red zone target share to average depth of, of reception. I mean, he really grades out so well in so many metrics that we always look for. And he goes against Darius Slay. So this is a team, I mean, Arthur Smith, let's see what he does with the offense, but I expect Calvin Ridley to get plenty of targets in this game, whether or not, you know, whether or not it's a high scoring game or not. Um, It's a 48 point total. I expect it to come maybe a touch under that personally, but I think Calvin Ridley is a really interesting one-off play. Like if you're not going to stack this game, if it's not a secondary stack where, where you're taking, you know at least one share from each. I think Calvin Ridley is a piece to just kind of pull out of this game. Uh, again, it it always sort of depends a little bit on ownership and you know another guy I'll mention here on the Eagles side and I know I just said Atlanta's defense is is pretty solid against the run, at least they were last year. Miles Sanders' unpopularity right now is so extreme in my opinion that I'm really curious to see what his ownership is because if it's really low And if this game ends up being stacked and ends up being popular, just pulling that Miles Sanders share out of this game and hoping that the other shares are are depressed in terms of uh, fantasy value could be an interesting move.
0: Mike, we know that Calvin Ridley is someone that could threaten the league lead for targets this upcoming season. Had a ton of air yards last year, 25% of the target share. That was with Julio Jones. Now Julio is gone. Uh, Your thoughts on... Falcons pass catchers, Eagles pass catchers in this spot. Kyle Pitts, you mentioned 4,400. Will he be in the cash game for you?
2: I think he's definitely threatening to be in the cash game lineups, no doubt. Uh, I do agree that Calvin Ridley's probably the best play in this game from an overall game theory perspective. Uh, I think that he's going to be simply overlooked uh, in a number of lineups just because you're not typically looking to stack him uh, you know, with with the quarterback, obviously, and this one. Probably not in week one. Um, I think that he's going to go under-owned. I think that there are two different combinations that could be relatively popular in week one. It's going to be Kyle Pitts and then some other um, higher-end wide receiver. You could make that – excuse me, what am I trying to say here? The Kyle Pitts and expensive wide receiver combo that could be popular is going to be something like that with Devontae Adams, right? Right. I think that you could actually build a little bit more balanced lineup, jump all the way up to Travis Kelsey at tight end, play Calvin Ridley over Devontae Adams' salary and get a little different in the middle. I do think that Calvin Ridley is someone that you want to target. Uh, I think it's got some pretty good leverage against Kyle Pitts. Uh, I don't see the scenario where they both score two touchdowns in this game. So, I I like applying that leverage to Kyle Pitts. If you don't want to play Pitts in your lineup here, I think that's probably one of my favorite ways to really magnify that leverage. And then, what Sia mentioned on the other side, Miles Sanders. Um, You know, I mentioned this Falcons defense is someone that I want to play. I think it's important to understand the context around that. Number one, their minimum salary. We're looking to play a minimum salary defense in a lot of our lineups. So, that is. What should preface all of it? Number two, I don't love Jalen Hurts, but we know the public is going to like Jalen Hurts a little bit, so I'm applying leverage once again. That's okay for me to play that minimum price defense. Having said all of that, it does actually, the offensive line for the Eagles in terms of getting the push needed to run the ball actually does grade out relatively well here. So I do like Miles Sanders. I don't like it for Hertz as much because I think that his rushing would come from the passing game breaking down a little more than some of just the true design, design rushing. So I do like Miles Sanders. I think, like you said, Miles Sanders and Calvin Ridley, two fantastic one-off tournament plays uh, in this game.
0: Yeah, especially in GPPs, too, for Miles Sanders. I mean, the upside could be massive. We saw, I believe it was at least three runs of 70-plus yards from Miles Sanders last year, so he has that big play ability. Real quick, we'll just wrap up this game. Anything on Mike Davis, 5,400 on DraftKings. He played at least 70% of the snaps in eight different games with the Panthers last year. It's probably part of the reason why he kind of wore down as the season went on, but uh, he looks like a starting running back and he's sub-6K, so any interest...
1: I have interest in Mike Davis. I mean, when I saw these salaries come out, I immediately thought of Mike Davis just because, again, in DraftKings in particular, you're getting a full point per, per reception. He is clearly the number one back. There's just reports coming out now that I don't even think Wayne Gallman is the number two back yet. And it's not because of a lack of talent. It's just because he just got there. And it's just one of those things. So if Mike Davis were to ever get used in in a huge way, it would probably be in this week one. And, and I I like the matchup.
0: All right, let's move on to the Vikings at the Bengals. This is not an NFC home game, but I wanted to even out, so I threw another AFC game in here, uh, so we have the same amount of games to talk about on Thursday's podcast. The... Vikings are currently three-point favorites again in Cincinnati. Forty-eight point total in this one. Some injuries to monitor. Justin Jefferson dealt with an AC joint sprain all of preseason. Adam Thielen dealt with a thigh bruise, but it seems like both should be good to go. At least everything that I've read and seen to this point. On the Bengals side of things, starting cornerback Trey Wayne's has already been ruled out, so we could see some. We could see a massive game one here from Justin Jefferson. I, I don't. I don't think that's crazy. But uh, let's start off with the running backs. Handling Dalvin Cook. He's 9,100 on DraftKings, 9,400 on FanDuel. He is the second highest running back, second highest price running back on both sides this week. Like, how are you handling him here? Where does he stack up against the other top running backs in week one? CMC is up against the Jets. Alvin Kamara up against the Packers. Derek Henry is hosting the Arizona Cardinals.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting where he stacks up here. I think that for me, it's going to be split down the middle between the two sites. So I think he's a fantastic play on FanDuel. I think I prefer Alvin Kamara on DraftKings. Uh, Just kind of a nature of the scoring rules, the pricing on both of those sites, and and really obviously just the pricing. We'll say that as many times. That's what really matters the most always. Um, I I like Dalvin Cook a lot. Uh, I think he's a fantastic play. I just prefer to get that exposure over on FanDuel this week, Um, but I I think he's going to absolutely crush. I I mentioned the the Eagles having a good push with the offensive line as far as that matchup. This is a fantastic matchup for the Vikings offensive line. They should generate all the push they need for Dalvin Cook, especially having him in the backfield here. It's just going to come down to a matter of, you know, what is Justin Jefferson doing through the air? Is he going to turn the... 40, 50 yard gain into a touchdown? Is he going to get tackled in the red zone? That's really the variance that you're dealing with here. But outside of that, absolute smash spot for Dalvin Cook. Um, there might be scenarios where I get him and Kamara both on DraftKings and elect to play a little more value at wide receiver. Uh, but that's going to also kind of depend on are we getting real creative at quarterback or are we not. But as of right now, I will have Dalvin Cook in my optimal lineup on FanDuel, uh, but he does fall just a little bit short on DraftKings.
0: Mike, I'm just going to follow up here with Dalvin Cook. Wherever you use him, would you consider using the Vikings defense here? They're going up against Joe Burrow, who's coming off of that uh, devastating knee injury. He only threw one pass in the preseason. There could definitely be some rust. And the Bengals offensive line is just is not very good. Uh, the Vikings defense, specifically on FanDuel, if you're talking about using Dalvin Cook there, they're $3,800, the 14th highest priced defense. So it's actually pretty affordable when you, you consider the matchup.
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely affordable, definitely something I want to do. Uh, And then we'll take this opportunity to talk again about what I like to do when I can't get exposure to everyone I like. So this might be a spot where on DraftKings because I told you I can't quite get to Dalvin Cook in the optimal lineup. That might be a spot where I give a bump to the defense, get some of that exposure as I know a large portion of the field is going to play them. There should be a really strong correlation between Dalvin's performance and the team defense as you're kind of alluding to there. Um, so I won't always force it in, in the exact same lineup, but in certain situations like that, that's kind of how I'll look to hedge, look to gain some exposure to the situation. So long answer, short answer, whatever you want to call it. Yes, I will have Vikings defense exposure. Will it be in the same lineup with Dalvin or in lineups without Dalvin? I can't tell you that just yet, but there's a good chance it'll be both.
0: All right, so you get the other the running back on the other side, Joe Mixon. He's 6,200 on DraftKings, which seems like a pretty good value. He's the 15th highest priced running back on DraftKings this week. He's the 9th highest on FanDuel. Potentially a good GPP target here. Obviously, the Vikings are favored in the spot. The game is in Cincinnati. So if we expect the Vikings to be playing with a lead, uh, maybe people look more so at the Bengals' pass catchers than they do at Joe Mixon. But Giovanni Bernard is no longer with the team. And that's why Joe Mixon was once again a second-round pick in redraft leagues this year. Many people have been burned by Joe Mixon, but it seems like he legitimately is set up for probably the best role of his NFL career. 100%
1: true. And it's one of those things where we talked about it at the top of the show, or you asked me about it, you know, what's unique about week one, like, these are things that people know, but they, they, for whatever reason, go unrecognized until it's in their face after week one. And they're like, Oh, yeah, why didn't I play Joe Mixon? So Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon is not like a lock for me by, by any means. But he is in such a good situation. And honestly, I think the Bengals might lean on Mixon a little bit more than they normally would because of that Joe Burrow injury and because he's been a little shaky in the preseason and you know, guys like Jamar Chase have been a little shaky. Their offensive line is shaky. You get Joe Mixon on first and second down and you get him on third down. You're talking PPR when it comes to DraftKings, half point in FanDuel. He makes a lot of sense just from a pure volume standpoint. So I like Mixon a lot as far as the receivers go especially because Jamar Chase, I think, you know, won't really be as up to speed as maybe people thought week one. I think T. Higgins at 4700 on DraftKings is like an insanely good price. So especially if they're in a negative game script, which I, I sort of expect them to be in for a lot of this game, I think T. Higgins is going to get way more targets than people expect and has plenty of touchdown equity. So I, I like Mixon. I love Higgins. Um, and I only say love because of the price. And I'll say this. Not only, I agree with Mike, not only do I like Dalvin and Justin Jefferson, but when we consider the injuries, which you mentioned in the secondary, in the already bad secondary for the Cincinnati Bengals, Adam Thielen is definitely in play. A lot of people will overlook him because he's 7,000 and people just don't want to pay 7,000 for Adam Thielen. He's probably going to be lined up against, you know, in the slot against probably the second or third best corner in Cincinnati, which honestly is Really not. It might be like an Eli Apple situation. Like this is this is not a good situation for Cincinnati. So I think Adam Thielen is another guy you can maybe stack with maybe even a Kirk Cousins. And and that'll be kind of sneaky because a lot of people won't be playing uh, a stack on that side of the ball.
0: Mike, what do you think about the pass catchers in this game? you just talked about both Justin Jefferson and Thielen. Good matchup here. The secondary already beat up for the Bengals. Jefferson and Thielen are the 5th and ninth highest priced wide receivers on DraftKings. The tight end, Tyler Conklin, who we expect to start here now that Irv Smith is out for the year. He's 2,900 on DraftKings, so a cheaper tight end there. Uh, And then on the Bengals side of things... It's pretty hard, I think, to figure out where you want to go with the pass catchers here because they have three really good ones, or at least project to be really good, in Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. And they're all priced relatively close to each other, between 5200 and 4700 this week in DraftKings. So what do you think about all of the pass catchers in this spot here?
2: Yeah, I'll start with the one that's going to be the most popular. That's going to be T. Higgins. Uh, he's going to be real popular in DraftKings. That 4,700 price tag sticks out a lot. I like it. I think that what's going to be the popular build there is going to be Dalvin Cook and bring it back with T. Higgins. I think that if, you know, that's going to be fine. That's what a lot of projection models are going to spit out for you. Uh, if you want to get a little different, you want to look for a little more upside in tournaments, I do think that you immediately look to Boyd or Chase. And I think that you maybe fade... Um, Dalvin Cook, and this might be a spot where you go the complete opposite route and go Minnesota pass catchers and play Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon, 6,200, he's going to be a popular option that I think is going to get overlooked because you're already playing pass catchers. I think the average player is smart enough in their head to like understand some of those negative correlations. And when they see someone like Chris Carson and Antonio Gibson in a very similar price range, they're going to jump to those guys. So I think probably one of my favorite builds here as far as tournament upside is going to be playing that Joe Mixon. And lineup, and then running it back on the other side, all the way to the point where it might be a cousin, Steelen and Jefferson look or a Cousins-Jefferson-Conklin look, Cousins-Thielen-Conklin, or one of the pass catchers alone without the quarterback. But I I do think that as far as maximizing upside in a tournament, I I think it's going to be a Mixon-Thielen combination that's going to give you a lot of exposure to that game with significantly reduced ownership.
0: Before we hit our next game, I do want to promote that we have a Fantasy Football Today DFS contest over on DraftKings. 200 entries, $5 entry fee, the top 20 get paid out in this contest the link will be in the episode description I will probably like tweet it out throw it in like the fantasy football today uh, Facebook group as well but yes we are running a contest if you want to compete against Sia Mike and myself you can hop in there again $5 over on DraftKings link is in the description the 49ers at the Detroit Lions the 49ers are currently seven and a half point favorites with a 45 total in this game All spreads and totals, by the way, come via Caesars Sportsbook. And injuries to monitor... For the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk is currently questionable with a hamstring injury, though he did run routes on Monday, so it seems like he's trending in the right direction. We'll see what happens throughout the course of the week for Brandon Ayuk. And then Trey Lance had his splint removed from his finger, uh, but did not throw on Monday. I think it's pretty safe to say Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter in week one. Do they actually use that quarterback rotation? That's uh, something else we'll have to figure out. We'll see if they actually uh, use something like that in week one. On the Lions side of things, Dan Campbell, their head coach, said that... DeAndre Swift will play. The question is, how much? I, I don't I don't really know because he hasn't played at all in the preseason, DeAndre Swift. And then TJ Hawkinson is dealing with an AC joint sprain. Uh, but I, I think that he should be good to go. I haven't seen anything uh, too negative regarding Hawkinson. And could be a lot of targets here. So, uh, Sia, so yeah, we'll start off with you. I know that you're pretty interested in the running back, specifically with Raheem Mostert in this spot, maybe even paying all the way up for the defense there, something we talked about in the preseason quite a few times. Talk about the running game here, and how are you handling blowout risk? Because what happens if the 49ers have a 14-point, 21-point lead in the fourth quarter or going into the fourth quarter, and then we just don't get playing time from, from some of the players that we paid up for? So how do you handle something like that?
1: Well, it's part of the reason that I'm not super interested in this game outside of a couple of players, particularly Raheem Mostert, of course. And, you know, on that side of the ball, listen, Brandon Ayuk is coming back. It looks like he's probably going to get a full complement of snaps. But So now you have Ayuk, Debo, Samuel, and Kittle all healthy in what might end up being, especially because of the game script, a run-dominated game. To me, it's just not worth taking a shot there. You know, when we talked about the Vikings, one thing – just from like a just a pure, just you know, DFS theory standpoint, you want concentrated target share. You know, we have that in the Vikings team, especially because Irv Smith got injured. Yeah, of course, Conklin or Herndon might end up getting some targets here and there. But really, I mean, you're looking at Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Here, it's really hard to figure out, you know, in in terms of the pass catchers, who's getting the ball and frankly, how much of the ball they're getting in this particular game with this game script. So on the Niners side of the ball, it really is just Raheem Mostert. I think on the Detroit side of the ball, that's where you can kind of get interesting with some one-offs. Tyrell Williams is interesting, especially when you consider the game script and his ties to the offensive coordinator, the new one, Anthony Lynn. Obviously, they played together a couple of years when Tyrell was at um, San Diego. It was San Diego back then, I believe. But the the point is, I like him. You know, I I think Hawkinson is, is, is very reasonably priced. DeAndre Swift could be the type of guy that can win a tournament for you because not really nobody's really going to be on him. Because A, he's priced a certain way. B, there's a ton of Jamal Williams talk. And C, he's coming back from an injury. So he might be like a one-off guy. I might just kind of throw in there. But not much interest here behind uh, besides Raheem Mostert, the Niners defense, and maybe a one-off in like a Tyrell Williams or Hawkinson.
0: Mike, how are you projecting the 49ers running back usage in this game? Because uh, I was reading an article over on The Athletic, and they had this to say, Trey Sermon is in line to be Shanahan's early down Tenderizer, while Raheem Mostert remains a lethal speed threat. Mostert is $4,800 on DraftKings, the 19th highest-priced running back, while Trey Sermon is only 4500 And it is a great matchup. I mean, I don't want to look too much at stats from last year because there's so many things that change year over year, but the Lions got absolutely destroyed last season on the ground. I mean, they gave up 29 total t- touchdowns to running backs last season, which was the most in the NFL. So how are you projecting this San Francisco backfield to look in week one.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely going to be serving to start Mostert's it's going to get his carries. The thing that they're going to want to do with him is try to keep him healthy all year this year. Um, I do think he will have some looks in week one, though. I think he's obviously very explosive. When I look at the offensive-defensive line metrics, it is by far the biggest edge of week one. Uh, Huge edge for the San Francisco offensive offline here. It makes it quite troubling for me, though, because we know it is very clearly a committee. And then when you think about getting down into the red zone with this team, especially when you have a little bit of a quarterback battle going on, And then you've got a healthy lineup with Ayuk, Samuel, and George Kittle, all guys that can really excel in that red zone. It's just way too much uncertainty for me to really want to invest in the situation. I think Sia kind of mentioned it. The only way I could really invest here is if I wanted to invest in the talent and the upside of Raheem Mostert. I think it's fine, knowing that you're essentially overpaying for an RB2. Uh, of, of sorts. Uh, I think that no one's really going to play him. Obviously, you're going to play Carson, uh, Mixon, or um, Gibson over him, most likely in DFS this week. So there's no one that's really going to be on him. If you want to take a stance and hope that he breaks one or gets the goal line carry, I think that that is totally fine. Outside of that, like I, I'm not playing Jimmy Garoppolo and stacking him with Kittle. I'm not playing any of these guys in this week. Uh, I think it's a classic case where the, the the edge is just too great on the offensive line. They're going to mix a number of these players in there. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Samuel and Ayuk take handoffs on end arounds and other sort of formations here. Uh, I think that they're they're going to win this game. They're going to have a lot of yards on the ground. I just can't pinpoint exactly where they're coming from. And it's not only the yards that I can't pinpoint. I, I think the the red zone is just an absolute wild card for this team, uh, especially in week one, especially when quarterback is in flux. Um, I'm going to pass on it. If someone wins a million dollars and keeps me out of the money because of it, we'll play again next week. But uh, (laughs) I think the best move here is to watch the game, take some notes and uh, focus on the other games on the schedule.
0: Yeah. George Kittle, 6,300 this week in week one on DraftKings, which is the second highest priced tight end behind only Travis Kelsey. He's also 1,400 more than TJ Hawkinson and 1,900 more than Kyle Pitts. So, George Kittle is a great player, but the price is pretty prohibitive in this spot against the Detroit Lions. Mike, are there any one-offs here that you like on either side? I mean, dart throws. See, you mentioned Tyrell Williams. He's 4,400. The pass catchers on Detroit, Amonra St. Brown, a rookie who there is some hype behind. He's the minimum at 3K. Jamal Williams, if DeAndre Swift is limited in any capacity, Jamal Williams is 4,500. And then, of course, we do have TJ Hawkinson, which we mentioned earlier.
2: Yeah, I don't have a ton of interest. Uh, I think that if you can pinpoint and you really think that Tyrell Williams is the guy, um, you maybe you're going to want to have a bring back on the other side if you're doing that. Maybe you could get away with playing him one off. It's a situation where it's kind of unfortunate. If we had these players at these prices in, say, week five or six, I'd be a heck of a lot more interested. But in week one, there's just so much value out there that I think it's a little bit unnecessary in some of these instances. Uh, But you did mention the other one that I wanted to mention, and that was going to be Jamal Williams. If you have any sort of intel or just think that Swift isn't going to be healthy enough or ready to carry the entire load there, I do like Jamal Williams. I think that he's obviously has a ton of experience in the league. I think working with someone like Golf in this spot, I do think he can catch a few passes out of the backfield and thoroughly raise his fantasy floor. Um, so again, if you, if you think you have a a beat on what that usage is going to look like and what is Swift, you know, what's his role really going to look like in week one, I think it's fine to make those decisions, but. Overall, I think that uh, there's just so much uncertainty. And while the prices look attractive, they're not all that attractive in a week one when there's value everywhere.
0: Yeah, I think it's relative to everything else that we have available in week one, as you referenced there. Let's take a quick break. When we return, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 next here on Fantasy Football Today, DFS.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
0: All right, let's take a look at the Jets at the Panthers. The Panthers are currently laying five and a half, and this number keeps creeping up. The total keeps creeping up. It's up to 45. That's something we spoke about in the preseason. See, I know that this number was around, it might have opened at 43, maybe 43 mm-hmm. and a half, and now it's all the way up to 45. So uh, it's uh, there's a lot of injuries to the Jets' defense already. They lost starting defensive end Carl Lawson. Their starting linebacker, Jared Davis. It's a rookie quarterback in his first Start in Zach Wilson, obviously. Uh, Some other injuries here to monitor. Jamison Crowder tested positive for COVID, but is vaccinated, so he has a chance to play if he tests negative twice in a row. And then rookie running back Michael Carter is currently questionable with an unspecified injury. On the Panthers' side of things, their starting right guard, John Miller, will miss week one because of COVID. See ya. Do we pay up for Christian McCaffrey? He is back. He is 9,500 on DraftKings. He is 10,400 on FanDuel. Very clearly the highest priced running back on both sites. And rightfully so. I mean, he's amazing. He averaged over 30 DraftKings points per game last year, which is by far the most among running backs in the NFL. So are you paying up here? How does he stack up against Dalvin Cook, who we mentioned, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry?
1: I'll definitely have some shares of Christian McCaffrey. I probably like him as much as I like Dalvin Cook, which means it's better than the other two you mentioned. I like him a little bit better than Kamara and Derrick Henry, but I mean, we're kind of splitting hairs with Kamara here. It's just, I think Kamara is maybe a touch more of an unknown with Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback and, and not being in a dome, being in Jacksonville. So uh, with that said, I think I will be playing up for Christian McCaffrey. Not, not you know, it's not like I'm going to have a ton of shares, but he makes sense in week one because you can capitalize on so many, quote, inefficiencies or, or just low prices elsewhere. So this game, so minus five and a half, this has creeped up, you know, pat ourselves on the back. This opened at 43, and we talked about how this was kind of a sneaky DFS game. It's already up to 45. Let's see if it goes any higher. Probably not. But now, you know, like you said, the line is ballooned to five and a half. I think this could be a game where, like, initially, I liked the pass catchers, particularly Robbie Anderson, maybe some DJ Moore. But now I'm kind of thinking... Because of how this game might go, this might be a really good game to grab one share and have it be the most expensive one, Christian McCaffrey, because if this game sort of starts to slip out of hand, it's not like Sam Darnold's just going to sling it because of the revenge narrative. If they have the lead, they're just going to give it to the best guy on the field and just keep giving it to the best guy on the field until the fourth quarter is over. And so I like Christian McCaffrey. I think I might just have to avoid the um, receivers altogether. If I was going to take a shot, it would, it would be a contrarian shot with Robbie Anderson. And on the other side, I mean, Kevin's going to get the start. I'm not super interested in that, but Corey Davis, I am interested in, especially because Elijah Moore hasn't really made it on the field much. Jamison Crowder looks like he's going to play, but hasn't really been on the field much either. So I think Corey Davis at 4,900 on DraftKings makes plenty of sense.
0: Uh, Mike, are you interested in any of the uh, Panthers' pass catchers here, and how do you decide which one to use? DJ Moore is at 6,100. Robbie Anderson, 5,700. Obviously, the revenge narrative there against the New York Jets. And Terrace Marshall, who's a rookie who showed out in the preseason. He is the stone minimum at $3,000 on DraftKings, and he is projected to play in the slot. A big slot receiver, Sam Darnold, I can tell you, as a Jets fan, He loves throwing to slot receivers. So uh, I don't know if Terrace Marshall is going to see a full workload uh, in terms of snaps in week one, but it looks like he's projected to play the slot there. So what do you think about this Panthers pass catching group?
2: Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned it. Terrace Marshall is the guy that I have the most interest in, honestly, um, just because of the price point and the game script, the way I think it's going to shake out here. Obviously, I have a ton of interest in Christian McCaffrey. Prefer to do it on DraftKings. Take advantage of that full-point PPR, not to mention the 100-yard bonuses that come in the form of three points, half a touchdown uh, when you get 100 yards rushing or receiving. I think he's absolutely live to have 100 yards rushing and receiving in this game. Um, So I love Christian McCaffrey, kind of mentioned it earlier. I didn't mention playing Dalvin Cook on DraftKings. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, those two guys, that's the reason why I can't play Dalvin Cook so far. On DraftKings. Uh, but I I do like uh, Marshall here. I think that you can pair him with McCaffrey if you want to. I think you can play him on his own if you just want some little exposure to the game. Uh, the price point's simply too low. If he's really gonna man the slot in this offense, 3,000 bare minimum, way too low. Should be 4,300, 4,400, even with the unknown so far. Uh, so you're just getting a nice break. Obviously, not someone who's really projected to emerge with that role and have a clear cut role when pricing came out. Um, so I think that's when you can take advantage of there, especially if you think this game stays competitive in any way, shape or form. Um, I don't think that it requires a bring back on either side with either player. Like I I can see lineups where you play McCaffrey and Marshall without anyone on the jets. Uh, just again, McCaffrey is McCaffrey. And then that $3,000 salary relief offers so much relief. Um, So I wouldn't get too cute with that is my main takeaway there. Just because you see having two players from one team there, you don't always have to have a bring back. Uh, I think it's important to understand the context of the position that you're grabbing that player at. And then overall, what kind of salary are you allocating to that? Um, And in this case, minimum salary on a PPR site doesn't require a bring back.
0: All right, so you're not necessarily interested in a bring back if you use the Panthers here, but do you like any of the Jets at all here, Mike? I'm Corey Davis is 4,900. He saw 10 targets from Zach Wilson on just 13 routes throughout the preseason. If Jamison Crowder is out, Elijah Moore, there is a lot of hype around him, second-round wide receiver in the NFL draft, and he is the minimum at 3K, though we did not see him in the preseason at all. The Jets running back situation, it's kind of like a jumbled mess. Tevin Coleman, 4,900. Ty Johnson, they like Ty Johnson. He's 4,400. He's going to catch some passes, but I just don't know between game flow and the fact that it's a committee on a bad team. I'm, I'm not really interested in that, but uh, what about the pass catchers for the Jets?
2: I don't have a ton of interest. If you want to play Corey Davis, he's obviously super talented, um, has emerged as one of the favorite targets. I think that that's fine. If I was going to do that, I would for sure have Christian McCaffrey or one of the pass catchers on the other side. I don't think I'd be willing to play Corey Davis as a standalone or any of the Jets as a standalone. Uh, If you play one of those guys and they score enough fantasy points to pay off that investment for you, there's a very high probability that the Panthers are going to be scoring some points as well. Uh, So I I would definitely look to bring it back there. But the issue with Corey Davis for me is we've gone through and we've listed so many wide receivers that are at that same price point or cheaper, Uh, you know, just quickly glancing. We haven't talked about Michael Pittman, Um, even Nelson Aguilar for the Patriots is down in there. T Higgins, Jerry, Judy, Chase, like all these guys are in this range, Um, all in situations that I think that are easier to stack both sides of the game. I like the the outlooks just a little bit more than I like the Jets there. So for me, it's probably going to be Panthers or Bust uh, outside of maybe if I'm playing a lot of lineups in a tournament, I, I could have some Corey Davis lineups with Christian McCaffrey.
0: All right, see, so yeah, I've just got to ask. Any interest in the Jets' DSC, their their defense here? 2,400 on DraftKings. It's one of the cheapest price defenses here. Sam Darnold, I mean, we're hoping that he's better without Adam Gase, but he was very turnover prone in his time
1: uh, with the Jets. So...
0: What do you think about their their defense? Are they live here in the spot?
1: I love low price defense, but not this one. I'd actually rather play. I believe the Texans are twenty one hundred. Believe it or not, I'd prefer. And I I like what Mike said about what was it the was it the Eagles or was it the Falcons that were two thousand? The Falcons. The Falcons. I I like the Falcons um, at two thousand better than them, and I like the Houston Texans against uh, just a questionable Jacksonville team, specifically offensive line and rookie quarterback. That's a bad team in Houston, but they could generate some turnovers or some pressures. All
0: right, let's move on to the Chargers who are at the Washington football team. The Chargers currently laying one point on the road. The total is forty-four and a half. and a half. Injuries to monitor here, the Chargers, three of their offensive linemen are currently, offensive line starters are currently questionable for week one. That includes Brian Bulaga, Rashawn Slater, and Corey Lindsley. And on the Washington side of the ball, Curtis Samuel is questionable with a groin injury. Mike, we already kind of mentioned Antonio Gibson a few times here. He's only $5,900 on DraftKings, and I think it's just a very exciting price point there for him. Someone, again, who, like Joe Mixon, being drafted in the second round of season-long drafts, we're expecting him to see a bigger workload moving forward. We know he was a great pass catcher in college. They didn't really use him that way last year, but we know that he has the talent to do that if they want to go that route. And then Austin Eckler, I just want to talk about both running backs here because I I, honestly I think they're both in play Austin Eckler 7k on DraftKings another one where he might just kind of get overlooked because it's a tougher matchup against Washington he's uh, 7,000 as I mentioned but I don't know if matchup really matters much when Austin Eckler has the role that he does where he can just catch as many passes he's going to be used in the red zone too so what do you think about both of these running backs Austin Eckler and Antonio Gibson
2: I like them both. Uh, obviously, Gibson's going to be popular. I do like the case for Austin Eckler, and I can also make a case for playing both of them in the same lineup. The reason why we're not seeing a ton of Austin Eckler love just yet is because we've already mentioned Mixon, we've already mentioned Carson, but the real problem is, is there's so much value out there that we want to pay up for Christian McCaffrey, we want to play up for Dalvin Cook, we want to pay for Alvin Kamara. You can't really get all of those guys in the lineup, so he's kind of the odd man out. I do think that this game has the potential – to turn into a shootout just enough. Not always end in points, but it will end in fantasy points, receptions, moving the ball up and down the field quite a bit. Um, so I do like the idea of playing both of the running backs together, which is typically a negative correlation, not necessarily here, especially if these two are going to have the roles that we think they are, we think they're going to catch passes out of the backfield. Something you really, really, really want to take advantage of on DraftKings, which is the full point PPR site. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think you could play both of them. I think both have uh, meaningful upside in week one. Uh, Gibson's clearly on the radar more. Uh, if you go to an optimizer, a lot of them around the industry are probably going to give you some form of Antonio Gibson on DraftKings. But uh, I, I do think Eckler should be right there.
0: See, we have a lower-ish total here at 44.5. Two pretty good defenses, definitely in Washington's case. We'll see if the Chargers can bounce back. So I'm expecting, and it sounds like Mike is too, to see a lot of the running backs here. Are you interested in pass catchers in this game and potentially stacking anyone with a quarterback in this spot. Uh Justin Herbert is 6700 on DraftKings, the sixth highest priced quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick all the way down at 5500, and there's a lot of talent on the field just overall in this game. Keenan Allen is 6900. We know that he demanded a massive target share from Justin Herbert last season, and then Terry McLaurin who is kind of similar and now he's playing with the best quarterback of his career, which is not saying much, but it should give him some better looks and better opportunities. So he's 6,400 on DraftKings. He's $500 less than Keenan Allen.
1: Yeah, I I can't see myself grabbing any shares of the pass catchers here, to be honest with you. If, If I was going to pick one, it might be kind of just a, a random one-off Mike Williams play. Maybe he gets behind the defense. I mean, if there if there's anything that can be exposed on this defense, it, it is the secondary. So maybe a guy like Jalen Guyton or, or Mike Williams, you know, at a, a, kind of a relatively cheap price can get behind this defense. But I don't love it. I mean, as you know, this, this Washington defense is really good, allowing the third fewest points to quarterbacks last season. I expect them to be right there this season, if not better. So I don't see Herbert having a really productive game through the air. I think this is going to be a hard-fought, close game. I, I do agree that maybe playing Antonio Gibson and or Austin Eckler make a little bit more sense given the game script and the way these defenses are going to function. So, yeah, I, I can't I can't even really make an argument. Like Curtis Samuel has a nice price, but we really don't know how, how healthy he is either. So unless you're in the millie maker and you're just kind of doing a, a one-off play, contrarian play on a, a second or third receiver, it's just not for me.
0: And I think Logan Thomas is an interesting player, but it's just the price point here. 4,600. I can't really, uh, I just can't really advocate for paying up, not necessarily paying up, but paying that price tag for Logan Thomas. Someone I played a ton last year. I saw the routes run, the target share, the red zone usage, and it. I, I got burned by Logan Thomas so many times. Eventually he well, came through, but. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: but but you said it though the the red zone usage is really high with Logan Thomas. Yep. So I mean that's red zone target share is definitely important, particularly when it comes to tight ends. So he he does get a pretty significant target share and red zone target share. So you know it's an it's a very interesting play on DraftKings at forty six hundred. Um, I'm I'm actually glad you brought him up. It's certainly not my favorite play, but um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's targeted more than a couple times in the end zone in this game.
0: Yeah. And look, if you're just trying to look for like a contrarian tight end play that no one's going to be on, I think you're going to get Logan Thomas at low ownership. 19% target share last year overall. 18 red zone targets for Washington. Both of those ranked in the top six among tight ends last season. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I know he's viewed more as a gunslinger. He throws to his wide receiver one. But he actually used Mike Isecki quite a bit when he was in Miami last season. So I I think he could lean on Logan Thomas as well. Uh, Mike, I assume we're not looking to to stack pass catchers here. Uh, Are there any one-offs that you like in the spot?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say that you can't stack the pass catchers, but it's going to be, you know, you're playing 20 plus lineups at that point. I think it's absolutely fine. Um, I think that Justin Herbert is someone that I don't think is going to garner much ownership. I give him somewhat similar chance of having a ceiling type game to someone like Ryan Tannehill, frankly. Um, They're right in that same price range, Um, you know, If you're playing a lot of lineups, I think it's fine to fire away, but certainly not in your consideration in your top 10. As far as one-offs, I mean, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, guys, you can always play as one-offs if you find something that you like. Um, Again, I wish that we had some of this pricing in week four, five, or six. There's just so many good values across the board in week one. Probably tired of hearing me say that at this point, but it's just simply true. Um, so if you're playing more than 20 lineups, fire away, I think it's fine to stack both sides. I think there's a lot there's a case to be made for stacking either side of this game. Uh, it's just not going to be in anywhere as close to your primary lineups.
0: Let's move on to the Packers, who are at the New Orleans Saints. However, they will be playing this game in Jacksonville. Green Bay is laying four points in this game. They open up as a three-point favorite, so creeping up a little bit here. A 50-point total, and this is the first 425 Eastern Time afternoon game that we've talked about here today. Again, NFC home game, technically. Again, it's it's in Jacksonville. Mike, you mentioned last week that you were starting your cash games with Alvin Kamara, Marquez Calloway, and Devontae Adams. Is that still the case? Are you worried about weather at all here in this spot? It's a very early forecast on Tuesday, but I saw 86 degrees with potential thunderstorms here.
2: Not terribly worried about the weather. Um, you know, I'll dial it in a little bit later in the week, maybe give you a little update, uh, on the Thursday show there. But as of right now, not worried about the weather, still very high on those three players. Um, Callaway and Kamara really, that's the reason why, um, It's so much opportunity for Alvin Kamara here. The price point on Callaway, too good to be true here for this one. And then you got to bring it back just a little bit. And fortunately, we get to bring it back with one of the top wide receivers in football and what should be a very, very competitive game to start the season. So, yeah, I'm all in on those three. Uh, That's how a lot of my lineups are starting this week.
0: I didn't even mention the injuries in this game, by the way. But for the Packers, their tackle, Bakhtiari, David Bakhtiari, will is on the PUP list. And then on the Saints side of things, Michael Thomas is obviously on the PUP. Will Lutz landed on the injured reserve, uh, though I don't know why I, in- I included a kicker known here. Sorry about that. Uh, cornerback Brian Poole is on injured reserve, and then tight end Adam Troutman and cornerback Ken Crawley are questionable. So there are some injuries here on the Saints side of things, specifically in that secondary. So Devontae Adams, not that he needs help. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore took a huge step back last year. So, uh, Sia, what do you think about, like, when we see... a uh, an elite cornerback or what's supposed to be an elite cornerback on the other side, does that shy? Do you shy away from potentially using an elite wide receiver in a spot like that?
1: Yeah, a little bit. It definitely factors in. And unfortunately context needs to be applied there. And what I mean by that is like, well, what are the other matchups maybe I can take advantage of that also feature elite receivers? I'm not going to not play a guy because of a matchup, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly doesn't help. So it's just one of those things you have to factor it in, and if you find a better uh, or a similar elite receiver with a better matchup, then you know you might have to play them. I think, I think, uh, I think Lattimore was bad in the beginning of the season, but I do think he rebounded later in the season. So there's there is something to be said for that. He, nobody's going to shut down Devonte Adams because of how he works with Aaron Rodgers specifically. Uh, he's just not really coverable in a lot of situations. So I love the Adams play, but I think I also like Aaron Jones too. So I just kind of wanted to point that out. If you did the Alvin Kamara, marquez Callaway stack um, that Mike suggested, I think you you could potentially bring it back with Aaron Jones too, which you you are kind of getting a discount. Again, DraftKings prices 6,800 versus 8,300, just something to consider there. And, and I, I do want to point out, and by the way, Jamal Williams, who we talked about earlier, he's not there. And I don't think as much as AJ Dillon might, interrupt Jones near the goal line in the red zone. I don't think he will with the pass catching role that Jamal Williams really had. So I think you're going to see Aaron Jones on those sort of the more of a pass catcher, more on third down than maybe you saw in the past. So that's something to consider. Um, I will say this, Callaway is going to be really popular for very good reason. So while you know, Mike was talking in the context of cash games. I think in GPPs, he, he's okay to play from a like a free square standpoint, because I do think a lot of people will be on him. But there are a lot of decent pivots in that exact price range. And I'll give you one that we'll talk about on Thursday. Gabriel Davis. In a high scoring matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, to me, he's really the number two receiver. I mean, you got Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders there, but I think Gabriel Davis will end up emerging as the number two receiver behind Stephon Dick. So I only point him out to just point out the fact that there are some guys that might have similar upside as Marquez Calloway, but won't be nearly as uh, owned.
0: Uh, Mike, I, I did just want to kind of circle back to that cornerback versus wide receiver discussion because Marquez Callaway, he, he's I think he's a great play here in the spot thirty four hundred, but he's going up against Jair Alexander uh, for the Green Bay Packers, who is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So any hesitation there when you see that matchup?
2: No, I don't have any any personal hesitation just because of the price point and the overall opportunity. Um, you know, especially having Jameis in there, I think he obviously wants to throw the football. Um, I, I personally have it down as an average matchup, uh, not as a neutral, or not as a negative matchup really in any way. So if something changes with my data or, you know, which will probably not happen until we have a few weeks of actual data from this season. Uh, but as of right now, I have it as a pretty neutral matchup overall, and that's basically looking at what he's going to see throughout the entire season and what he may have seen in the past in his career. Um, But as of right now, I have it as a neutral matchup, don't have it as a, a real strong, strong negative. So absolutely no concerns.
0: Yep, Marquez Calloway, by the way, in the preseason, just had great performances with Jameis Winston. Finished with eight receptions, 165 yards, and two touchdowns on nine targets. And we all remember that Monday Night Football game against the Jaguars where they just, they looked unstoppable. They looked very good together, Jameis and uh, and Marquez Calloway. The Broncos at the Giants. Denver is laying two and a half on the road here. 42 point total. This is another afternoon game. And injuries to monitor the Broncos' Bradley Chubb and Noah Fant are both questionable, but expected to suit up here. And then for the Giants, I mean, it's basically everybody. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph are all questionable. And we still don't really know what the situation is with Saquon Barkley's workload, though he has res, uh, returned to a full contact pra- practice with the Giants. But um, yeah, we're still waiting to see like how much he's going to play. I-, I don't think we're really going to know heading into this one, so uh, I don't. I don't know that we want to use any of the Giants here in this spot. Uh, see ya. Anything here in this game? I mean, someone that stands out to me, Jerry Judy. We spoke about him recently. Forty-eight hundred in this spot in Week One on DraftKings, and obviously he's a super talented wide receiver. Bit of a tough matchup here. I mean, if the one thing the Giants have going for them is their defense, and specifically their secondary there with James Bradbury. So, uh, anything else here in this spot, Jerry Judy, the the Broncos side of things. Maybe the Broncos defense, although they are thirty-three hundred dollars.
1: Yeah, there's there's nothing here. I mean, I, I think Jerry Judy is interesting. I, I love the price. We can look at his target share from last season. It's pretty good. Uh, and you know, overall targets were were quite good. But then that wasn't with Cortland Sutton. So it's just really hard with with all the weapons they have. Let's let's talk about like KJ Hamler, Noah fan, and their their running backs. I'm just I'm just not sure. Like, I, I think Judy is fine. I'll probably have a couple shares of him, but it's not a confident a play, especially with this low total. This is probably the lowest total on the board at 42. In Teddy Bridgewater, just kind of playing it close to the vest, the, the Denver defense is very strong. And, and I really see them flexing more on defense than, than they are going to be on offense because of how the, this this Giants team is constructed and the state of their injuries. So uh, I hate to say it, but I, I can't really, other than Jerry Judy, because of the price, I don't really love anything here.
0: Yeah, Mike, this kind of stands out to me, a similar situation to the 49ers, which we spoke about, where there's just a lot of weapons to go around, and I don't know that this is going to be a big pass-volume offense with the Denver Broncos here. See, I mentioned a lot of the names there, but Judy, Fant, Cortland Sutton, they have K.J. Hamler, they have the running backs who they're going to likely split between Melvin Gordon and Devontae Williams, probably looking at a 60-40 split in favor of Melvin Gordon there. I think the defense for Denver, they could have a big spot, but you have to pay up a little bit. They're 3300 which is the seventh highest priced defense. So are you looking at anybody in this game?
2: I am, but it's going to be site-specific again, and it's going to be over on FanDuel this time. So Jerry Judy's price on FanDuel is 5500 which is going to be a pretty strong value over there on that site, uh, very similar to Callaway's price point. Uh, I think that he's fine over there if you need a third wide receiver in your lineup. Um, A lot of builds when you build over on FanDuel, you're going to be looking for that $47 to $5,500 wide receiver, if you're familiar with that website. Uh, He's someone that I think that you can plug in and play and kind of bet on his overall upside and skill set early in the season. Uh, I don't suspect that he's going to be someone that has that low of a price point as we get a little deeper into the season. So if you want to bet on him now, I think that that's totally fine. And then that Broncos defense, you mentioned it. I'm not interested on DraftKings. I am, however, somewhat interested on FanDuel at 4,100, but it's going to come down to what news do we get out of the Giants? Who is truly healthy? Who is actually playing? We'll have a little bit better idea on Thursday, but that one there, as far as whether I use them or not, certainly going to be 90 minutes before kick on Sunday when we have that official inactives report as what the Giants run out there can really make or break my decision on what I want to do with the Denver Broncos.
0: All right, let's wrap up here with Thursday Night Football, the showdown slate. Really fun game here between the Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks are currently laying eight points there at home with a 52-point total that's actually opened up Tampa Bay minus 6.5, so creeping up, and there's a chance that it continues to move that way. Before we get to Thursday, injuries to note. For the Cowboys, their guard Zach Martin will be out of this game due to COVID. And for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I was about to say the Tampa Bay Rays. Got some baseball in the mind. Uh, Safety Jordan Whitehead is questionable. Running back Giovanni Bernard, who was dealing with an injury last week. He practiced in full on Monday, so it looks like he'll be good to go here. Mike? You're a showdown guy. What is the projected game flow that we're looking at? Some players who you want to be overweight, underweight on in this spot and some captain strategy for you here in week one showdown.
2: Yeah, I mean, the game flow is pretty standard in this spot. You basically have a team that's a touchdown favorite. Um, We know a lot about this Buccaneers team. They're returning essentially, I believe, every starter on both sides of the ball. The big news for the Dallas Cowboys, obviously the loss of the offensive lineman, Cannot really be overstated in this spot. Definitely going to hurt that running game. As far as players that I'm looking to be overweight on, it's still going to be Dak Prescott for me. Um, I think they're going to be obviously having to throw the ball quite a bit in this spot. Uh, I'm going to be overweight on CeeDee Lamb. And then probably the most surprising one on that side of the ball, I'm going to be overweight on kicker Greg Zerlein. Uh, I think he can still kick those 50-yard field goals. I think the Cowboys offense is going to find themselves in that territory quite a bit in this game. I think they're going to have mild success moving the ball in the middle of the field. I think they're really going to struggle in the red zone. I think they're going to end up kicking a lot of field goals in this game. Um, Kickers are not included on the full slate in DFS. Um, So similar to when I want to play cash games early in the year, because a lot of people are brand new to it. A lot of people are brand new to the showdown site. Some of them are really not aware that you can even play the kickers in the showdown slate. However, a kicker kicking a, a three-point field goal, a four-point field goal over 40 yards, etc., that is a huge deal on a one-game slate. Um, so I will be overweight on the kicker there, overweight on Dak to CeeDee Lamb. And then on the other side for the uh, Buccaneers, it's probably going to be Gio Bernard. Um, the price point there. You know, when you look at showdown slate again, it's very different than a a normal slate, is you're gonna be playing backups all the time, and price is what's gonna matter more than anything. Gio Bernard's price point is such that he's gonna find his way into a ton of lineups here. Those are the guys I'll be overweight on.
0: Yeah, Gio Bernard is two thousand dollars on the showdown slate on Thursday. And it's really interesting pricing, which again, you can go back and listen to our, our showdown strategy podcast that we did but like Tom Brady for example is 11,200 in this spot Dak Prescott is 10,400 and a starting running back like Ezekiel Elliott is 9,600 so when you compare someone like Giovanni Bernard $2,000 is obviously a a great price point and, and a pretty good discount there Mike any ideas in terms of captain strategy yet?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're playing cash games, you're going to look at both Brady and Prescott. I would give just a slight edge to Prescott, actually. Um, I know I obviously love Brady in this spot. Should throw for enough touchdowns. But Dak's still got a little more upside in some of the other categories. So, And he's going to be lower owned. Um, and then after that, it's going to be wide receivers. Um, CeeDee Lamb's going to come in. One of my favorites on the other side. Uh, Chris Godwin, I think someone I'm going to have a lot of. Um, Amari Cooper. I guess Godwin, i have to make sure he's... Let's see. It was added to the injury report, but I think he's going to be fine here in this spot. Um, yeah, it's going to be wide receivers. Um, if you're not playing quarterbacks, if you're looking for upside in tournaments, it's, it's going to be wide receivers in this game for sure.
0: All right, see ya. Any players that you like in this spot or, or any players that you're looking to fade here on Thursday night with the uh, Bucks hosting the
1: Cowboys? You'll have to forgive me, Frank. I was putting in lineups as Mike was talking, and I could I could barely, you know, get up to speed here. so uh, Mike, thanks for that. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, I'm not i'm I'm never going to pretend that that I'm. The guy that, relative to Mike, for sure, that that has some special insight. I like. I truly like all the players he mentioned. I do like Chris Godwin more than I like Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. I think Gio Bernard makes a lot of sense. I, you know, unfortunately, with Ronald Jones and Len Fournette, we just don't have enough information to really like throw one of those two guys out there. I don't think with any sort of confidence. Dak makes a lot of sense, and, and honestly, as far as Zeke is concerned, I still think he'll get a lot of volume. I think he's an interesting play, but. Given the game script, uh, you know he still could catch some passes if they're if they're down late. But I see Dak kind of throwing it downfield, which is why I think and of course we have the Zach Martin issue too. But which is why I think Ceedee Lamb makes a lot of sense there.
0: All right, that'll do it for Mike and Cia. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today DFS. The next time you hear us will be on Thursday as we break down the AFC home games, the Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football matchups for Showdown. And we will see you then.